I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, 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 and welcome, ladybirds and gentle lemurs, to the Human Nature Podcast. Here we explore the ups and downs of being Homo sapiens and learn a thing or two on how to be a better animal. My name is Elliot Connor, and I'm at least half elephant. But the star of the show today is none other than William Reynolds, a young Kiwi entrepreneur lost on the wrong side of the world, as he describes himself. Welcome, Will. Oh, welcome, Elliot. Thanks for having me. Great, great. So a bit about Will. Uh, Will left his home in New Zealand in early 2018 to learn from founders at the forefront of our changing future. In that time, he cold emailed his way to funding from a unicorn founder, worked in four countries and has flown across continents with iFlyTech, China's fourth largest AI company. Now 20, he is fully focused on a science degree at Duke University and building technology solutions for climate change. So, Will, I hear you've chosen to speak about the Kia as your animal of choice. Can you explain some of the reasoning behind that? What drew you to these very charismatic birds? Absolutely. Um, well, first of all, they are incredibly charismatic birds, as you as you start off by typifying them. Uh, but mostly on top of being beautiful-looking, gigantic parrots from my home country. Uh, with two, two, two of their claws going to the front, two back. They they excel in teamwork. So kids are kids don't only pass intelligent te- intelligence tests as birds, but have an ability to work with other animals like chimpanzees and elephants, especially in your case, um, to find solutions in their habitats. Sad, sadly playing into your work and a lot of my work they're also an alpine parrot which means these playful creatures are slowly not actually that slowly having their habitat recede faster and faster up the mountains to to top that off they're one of new zealand's national animals so it's very close to home for me No, I think it's a fine choice and yeah they are incredible incredible uh, creatures as you say uh, highly intelligent, uh, but uh, in a different way to many other animals. So, as you rightly suggest, uh, they uh, they perhaps don't pass conventional tests we set for them, uh, but they do wreak havoc over there as well. Uh, quite controversial for it. So, uh, picking on uh, campers, hikers, uh, deflating car tires, uh, really, really making a nuisance of themselves. Uh, one of my favourite all-time uh, conservation strategies 
is the playground they built for the Kias. Uh, so this came out a few years ago, uh, but there were quite a number of road deaths, I think, uh, because the Kias uh, were just so curious uh, because uh, they were making a nuisance themselves, walking up down roads, around cars and such. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, the local authorities uh, built playgrounds, uh, slides, climbing frames, all sorts of things for the Kias uh, so that they could busy themselves with other pursuits. And I think that's so, so touching that they would go to such lengths. Uh, but, yeah, I think that's really cool. I, I didn't actually know that. Um, well, they're, they're as friendly as you, so I can see why you go to those lengths. Have you ever encountered one? I haven't, no. Uh, no. Unfortunately, I've only been to New Zealand a long, long time ago, and that wasn't for uh, too long a duration. So it's definitely on the bucket list. I'd love to get up close and personal with them. Uh, it's definitely on the to-do list uh, but yeah uh, so 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 charismatic and I think that's what draws people to them especially uh, having this like, curious tendency um, in their natural habitat as well as in these human environments uh, one of the classic controversies around Kias uh, was uh, them supposedly attacking uh, sheep uh, so in some cases driving them to death uh, because they were just harassing them so much Picking away at them for sure. Mm. Yeah, so I think it's hard with a bird like that to uh, really cater to it uh, from a conservation standpoint. Uh, they certainly get a bit of a bad rap as well as uh, a small band of followers. Just quickly, in in New Zealand, we so I, le- I left home three years ago, and across that time, there's an organisation called Kia, uh, based out of Auckland. And their entire modus operandi is to support the New Zealand diaspora. So we have, I believe, the second largest diaspora of any country. Uh, There are Caribbean nations with larger proportions, but that is 600,000 of us out of 5 million are overseas. And this organization has spent its entire time building networks and links in technology and across most business spheres, but also, also art to try bring us together. And it's almost like when I think of the care, it's a lot about bringing people home. But, but a nuisance, nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I think that leads me on quite nicely to my next question, actually. I was going to ask you, uh, working as you are in this technology space, uh, what are some of the challenges that you faced? For sure, lots of challenges. Uh, mainly, most of all, finding affordable housing that <laughs> in random cities and trying not to get attacked. <laughs> so I ended up, since I left New Zealand, uh, and visas. Visas are really tough tip. So now when you say working, I'm not working. I'm a student at Duke University. I spend a lot of time working on projects, but it's no longer working at, and these projects and research with a team of 12 people, we're working on building the what can I do about climate change answer that sadly millions of people don't have. But that is still, that's very much a research project. I'm staying away from building companies or official work just while I, while I get these studies out of the way. So, so challenges over the last couple of years, mostly has been around living and growing up. Like I have, I left New Zealand with a, a very powerful driving ambition. Like, Hey, our world is, 
our world is going to be so different in 30 years and I don't see us being able to have a say in that from New Zealand. But with that comes so much uncertainty. And when I'm, I jumped between seven jobs, um, really fortunately got let in by teams and people that I loved working for. It was a variety of experiences. So I started out at, as a little intern at a fintech company in Auckland, then moved to San Francisco and didn't work, but sent, thanks to Kiwi Landing Pad, was given a grant and I sent hundreds of cold emails, just meeting with founders I admired. Um, and then in London for the year I worked there before going to China, it was just a variety of companies. So whether that was a role in a, in a consultancy that helped a lot of other startups expand in Europe, I mainly tagged along seeing how things were built there. Um, or I worked at Signal AI, which was scaling up and doubling to 160 employees. And that was very much, very much thrust into a role that felt out of my depth at times. I think more I was overcommitting myself. So I was trying to run two projects on the side of full-time work. Um, and it's just adapting to those environments, especially when you're a plucky kid um, trying to figure out what's next in your life with a life ahead of you. Mm, mm. No, I can certainly resonate with that last point. <laughs> it's really hard uh, to find uh, your place in a rapidly changing world. And you mentioned some of the uncertainty you're dealing with. Uh, so I think that's shared by many of us uh, trying to uh, find the next step in this environmental space. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned right in your introduction around uh, this new uh, research venture of yours, the You Change Earth. Uh, can you explain to me a little more about what you're doing there and what the end goal of that product is? Absolutely. Um, so 16 months ago, a friend, a friend told me, hey, you say you want to sell a company for X amount in eight years and then use that freedom to hire a team of climate scientists and work on what matters to you, why aren't you doing that now? That was the first point which clued me on to, I don't have an answer to that question, which isn't, I'm misaligned in self-seeking interest. And that, that slowly festered in my mind. So I started reading a lot more about the climate crisis in terms of if this, if this matters to me at an arm's length, it probably should matter to me a lot more. We can I make an impact. Um, and then 14 months ago, as I came to Duke University, so two months into my time here, I said for the first year, I won't build anything. And an idea came to me and bu bugged me and bugged me again. And I wrote it out and I tried this idea of being you change Earth. And I wrote it out and I talked to a friend at Google and ran it by professors and friends and tried to sell other people on building it. Like, hey, wouldn't this be a great thing? This is easy to build. It needs to be built. It is insane that it hasn't been built. You should do it. Until eventually I realized that this is up my alley. It's possible. There are tons of incredible people around me. I might as well get this shipped. It can't be that hard. And so in January, we ended up hiring Anch Nanda, um, Anch at Anch.tech. Uh, if you look him up online, he's the best engineer I met in my time at Duke. Uh, off an email list that I have, I send out updates and here's some great jobs and here's some cool articles to get you thinking about technology to anyone who signs up. Most people who've signed up don't know it's me. It's just about getting it out there. But I've 
I hired someone through that. I had quite a few job applications. I tapped a couple of people in my class, pitched them on this idea. And we started building what was meant to be a two-month project. And what we were trying to build is you, uh, my my parents, people I know in San Francisco, London, pretty much everywhere I've been, including except less so in Texas, <laughs> um, go have watched uh, like, Al Gore's Inconvenient Truth documentary or read an article like Wallace Wells, The Uninhabitable Earth. And I go, shit, like the state of our future is scary. I I honestly don't know if I'm going to have kids. And more importantly, I think we're going to see hundreds of millions of people die in our lifetime. Um, In fact, if we don't take a huge amount of action in the next 10 years, it seems inevitable Um, when you take action. And like with that, when people are actually involved in it, and at this time, as I've been reading three months of more like deep science articles and trying to convince myself that this wasn't what I need to spend my life on, I couldn't do so. It stayed scary. And I went, wow, it's a shame because everyone feels this. Every single person I know, 30, 27, 40, 55, has gone through this period of, oh, shit. Excuse my language on the podcast. Um, but three days later, like all that happens is maybe I recommend the article to someone else and I know that I can buy a Tesla or electric car, but wow, that's expensive. Well, that's prohibitive. And then you look at the problem and you go, it's so big. I can't do anything. I guess those solar panels are a thing, but like after I go to that effort, it won't really do much wallet. And that is a shame because there's so much you can do as an individual. So anyone who works as employee in companies, we were so frustrated that this wasn't well articulated that we, pardon me, um, that we worked with a few people who have run corporate um, corporate action for big companies, and we worked with journalists and Thread.com, which is a very cool media company in the UK that's recently come out that fully focused on on issues of justice from a I'd like to say very rational standpoint. So they're looking at what's Gen Z's voice in the world. Um, and what do we need to communicate both from a fiscal and justice standpoint? Um, they did a piece going, what can an employee do about climate change? And wielded in a lot of our work because it is so much and it's so badly articulated. So I went on a tangent there, but in essence, if you're an employee, if you have spare time, if you have a home, particularly spare time, but both of those employees and home are huge and potentially quick too, you can do something about climate change. And the answer is you can do a lot. And that is, we've built 15 climate action guides, as we call it. Those 15 guides are after 10 months of thinking through the problem. Does this either reduce over a ton of your CO2 footprint? Most Americans or the average American has a 20-ton footprint. Um, I think average in the UK is about 10 tons. Or we filter it by, is this... So is this behavior change needed for the 2050 IPCC, which is the Planetary Climate Council um, run by the UN reports? Like in the case of greening our diets, not necessarily going vegan, but trying to implement mushrooms and more other food in. Is this needed? Yes, that's almost needed for us to meet climate targets. Or can you actually do a huge amount? And in terms of employee action, without even having to sound like an advocate, so potentially just changing your retirement plan. There's, we've added incredible guides you can just send to management. 
we've, we talk about, hey, it's really easy for you to be in a meeting of eight people. Talk about anything, talking about travel, talking about a new office, talking about new products especially, and go, have we thought of the carbon impact of these decisions? And then quickly changing your material, changing the location of a trip, changing the transport to a trip, changing the office you supply your power from. I mean, you, the office you go to where you supply your power without having to push it, without having to be an advocate or fear in the meeting. So that can flow into 50 tons, that can flow into 500 tons. And when we think about that impact, that could even be what changes your entire company. And every com- we need every company on board right now. We don't have time. We've got 10 years to work towards halving our emissions, especially in developing countries, we undeveloped countries. We probably need to reduce our 80% of our emissions when we're thinking about the fact that we India is not going to stop emitting. And we are wanting to stop in 2070, there being $700 billion of weather damage in one state alone every year, which for context, because that's a big number, that is four times California's education budget every year. And they've got an insane education budget. <laughs> so um, there's a lot we can do. And every single one of those tons of CO2, there was a lovely nature article that came out linking it to 32 square feet of ice. If you reduce one ton of your CO2, that could be 32 square feet of ice saved this year. And it's the equivalent of planting 16 trees. And it could flow on to so much more. So, um, so youchangeearth.org, individuals can do a huge amount. And most importantly, when you're inspired, we're trying to get in front of, at the end of documentaries, we're trying to get in front of people on National Geographic's website site. We're trying to get on podcasts like yourself, maybe implement a link at the end of the descriptions. Um, but everyone, when inspired, can go, okay, what can I do? Here you go. And we start your journey. And it, once you take this initial action, whatever suits you, whether it's five minutes or 10 hours, we then send you to communities where you can stay up to date, like your podcast, stay in the loop and see, hey, I'm a technologist. Cool. I'm in climate action tech slack and I get weekly emails on what's the state of climate so that I can continue this and go on from this. Awesome. Awesome. And if you want to save the Kia, of course, then reducing your carbon dioxide emissions, reducing your carbon impact is one of the best ways you can do it because they and many other animals are threatened. Absolutely. And on top of reducing your emissions, because it might, it might happen that you only have, you only have 20 minutes um, and you want to do something quick, get go through the makeup of your home. Maybe, maybe it's just to offset your carbon in a monthly thing. It's also you've started your climate journey. You've done something big for the climate, and then we've sent you on to the best newsletters for you to stay up to date. And over the next two years, 10 years, you can be an engaged climate citizen. You can be part of the movement that we need, and we need everyone to stop what is irreversible climate catastrophe. Take that out of like hype words. When I say irreversible, because it is like so easy to fall into advocate um, and turn off activism when it, when you are this scared and when you know what's going on, um, when I say irreversible, it's not like, oh no, it's too hot. It is, oh no, it's too hot. And the North Arctic ice is going to melt. And in that ice is two times the carbon that is currently in our atmosphere. And once we reach a tipping point where even just that melts, let alone the some part of the ocean becomes too acidic and it spreads because of algal bloom, blooms, if just that part melts, there's no way human consumption, I mean, human human technology, anything we can 
do can take that back. And we are talking about more carbon than has been in the atmosphere in many, many, many thousands, hundreds of thousands a year. Definitely, definitely. And I was recently, uh, I just graduated actually from Al Gore's climate reality training. Uh, So they've moved that online this year. And it's so, so inspiring to see many, many thousands of people going through that process, educating themselves about the issue, learning how they can help to be the solution uh, to uh, this rising uh, enhanced global warming effect. Uh, So, I mean, it's it's tremendous, the challenges, these barriers we have to overcome. Uh, But if we can all take a collective action, then uh, that will be the change we need to make in the world. Uh, You can change the earth. Absolutely. In a lot of ways, we're trying to lower the barrier to what climate reality has done. So we're we think they'd be a perfect partner, and we're we're waiting to launch to reach out to them. But it is, hey, you don't have time to do a big course. Great, you can still be part of the solution. And in fact, learn exactly where these huge learn the huge things you can do, and learn where you fit in creating this climate solution. Awesome. Awesome. So I think we have time for one more question uh, before we come to the end of the show. And I wanted to ask you earlier, it came up around uh, networks and connecting internationally uh, through your work as a New Zealand expat, of course, uh, living uh, where you are in the US. Uh, So what do you find to be the importance of community groups and networks like this uh, in creating solutions to perhaps some of our societal and environmental issues? Uh, what's your experience been of that? Yeah, I. That's a great question. In in terms of groups, I'm actually a bit of a pessimist, <laughs> and so that is not necessarily the ideal optimistic answer for you. But while I think groups are great, and I think we should all push ourselves for someone going off to have an incredible impact. The biggest thing they can do is walk around alone and listen to podcasts. So listen to Elliot Connor on repeat in your in your headphones. Um, but there, there's so much wisdom you can tap into. And the spoken word is such a high, high signal medium. And you're sitting in on conversations with people who in another world were 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 locked up in New York or London um, secret private business clubs, and they were thinking about how do we how do we shift our world? And you can sit in that, and you can think about it, and you can be exposed. I think the only reason some friends have hired me to consult for them is like I've spent a I've listened to three thousand hours of founders talking and thinking through challenges, and that is a and that is huge. That's it. I'm when I'm involved in a community that's all about taking what opportunities are available to you and opening those doors so that you can tap into them at specific times. I'm not the best engager in communities because I'll pop in and be like, hey, we're launching something. Can anyone help promote? <laughs> um, and sometimes I'll love going to an event and talking to people and engaging and hearing their thoughts. But in most cases, that is only when you need to. That's only at the stage where you're like playing around with an idea when you're building something. A lot of those communities come together and it's really, it's more about what you're working on or finding 
finding other people working on incredible things and saying, hey, can I play around in this? Getting involved in this sphere. Reaching out to the people like you do so well. Reaching out to the head of nonprofits. Reaching out to people working on the problems that you care about. And so it's those individual conversations and they'll put you on to other people they know and areas they think are interesting that are so relevant to your project that a get-together or networking event or community of Kiwis just could never do. It's about those one-on-one connections and it's about you learning and taking that initiative by yourself. Thank you. I think that's a wonderful answer, if perhaps not the cliched one. I think very insightful uh, nonetheless and definitely listen to the Human Nature podcast on repeat. Your single solution to climate change is all you can do. Uh, on that note, I was saying as much as the Human Nature podcast is incredible, if you're a technologist or founder um, interested in this space, I'd, I'd, I'd turn on My Climate Journey by Jason Jacobs and listen to that a lot too because as well as you – he interviews some of the people working on the massive technical issues focused on climate change versus conservation. It's just a fascinating lesson. He's doing a really, really good job of breaking down where, where individuals and founders and companies sit in the climate crisis and what opportunities there are to make a difference. So well worth a listen or staying up to date on as well as your own. Definitely. I no, highly recommend it. And I'll include a link in the show notes as well uh, to the Youth Change Earth website. So you can sign up there, get involved, uh, see what you can do to uh, be part of the solution to climate change and help save the Kia. Now, it's been great chatting. Well, I'm sure our audience has enjoyed. Uh, we'll be back with another episode of the Human Nature Cast next week. Until then, uh, stay safe and do try and be a better animal. Thank you all and goodbye. people on earth working tirelessly to protect gorillas, arctic foxes, and even frogs. But who is out there dedicating their time to conserve the people who are fighting for our natural planet? Hi, my name is Jessie, and I'm the founder of Lonely Conservationists. I consider myself to be a conservationist conservationist and dedicate most of my time helping those who protect our natural wildlife and ecosystems. I just released a brand new book called How to Conserve Conservationists, which allows people to delve into the life of a conservationist and what we can do to help them along their journeys. The book explores topics like mental health, imposter syndrome, and even relationships, and gives some advice to help the conservationists in your life. If you're a conservationist yourself, it's time to give yourself some self-care, and the book will help you through this as well. The book is available wherever you get your books, in both ebook or paperback format, and is the perfect field guide for you to learn how to save the people who are saving our natural planet. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.